Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. We are right in the middle of the tennis Grand Slam season, so I thought it would be the perfect time to chat with Felipe Oliveira Batista, who is the creative director of Lacoste, a brand that is pretty much synonymous with the sport. Since 2010, Felipe has been methodically and meticulously transforming the Lacoste brand into a house that, while still known for its sportwear history and its connection to the game of tennis, has also come to connotate premium luxury. His collections have given a sense of French refinement to sportswear starting points like sailing, the Olympics, and golf that have really elevated the idea of activewear to something that can be sartorialistically sophisticated. Born in Portugal, Felipe graduated from Kingston University and worked at Max Mara, Charuti, and Christophe Lemaire before starting his own highly regarded signature line, a line that in 2003 won him back-to-back awards, both the prestigious Andam Prize and the Yeah Fashion Award. But I wouldn't be surprised if you have no idea who Felipe is and that you'd probably need Google to find out what he looked like. He's a bit of an under-the-radar journeyman designer who just happens to be the creative mind leading one of the world's most recognizable brands and logos. Felipe, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy. You're welcome. (laughs) I was researching you, and there's not a whole lot about you growing up and and how you first got involved in Mm. fashion, and I was... Then that made me really want to know a bit more about that. It's like, how, what was your life like growing up? How did you first discover design and wanting to do that? My dad was a pilot, which is a very good job for, for your dad to, to be, I think, when you're a child. Because from a very early age, I've been traveling a lot. You know, I told my mom when I was six, when I first went to the US, like, I'm going to come and live here, but don't worry, I'll come and visit you. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, when I, when I was finishing high school, I was more into communication and design and never really took fashion as, a, as an option, but even though I had, like, done some sketching. And, but I think I got more interested into it through MTV, like the whole thing of, of building big an image. And, uh, and, and I told my parents, oh, I'd like to go and study design in, in London. And they were saying, no, do it here. And then, you know, you can do an MA afterward. And so I talked with the parents of a friend of mine. They were running the art school of Lisbon, like the official. And they said, you know, the, on, the only thing that you can do straight away that it, they were not very good is fashion. So, so I told my parents, I want to do fashion. Wait, you wanted to do fashion because... I wanted to leave Lisbon at 17. At 17. <laughs> so that was the, your ticket out of Lisbon was yeah, fashion. It design. was fashion. That's so I did. So I did a foundation year in, in Raven. It kind of, you know, came... That fashion touches everything that I liked, you know, like architecture to, to clothing and, and sculpture, the, the, the image sites through f- photography. And I liked the pace of it, the fact that it was something that you kind of renew every, every six months. So it was kind of a very 
late call. When I when I started like fashion school, I knew nothing about fashion. You know, I knew what I thought was cool and and not cool and what I what I liked, but I didn't had like a background like I had in you know history of art or or design or or art. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then so you graduate from Kingston University, and then you like back to back, like almost from the get go, you win two design awards, right? You win uh, you win Andam and you win the Year um, Award. Is that correct? I worked for a bit before that. Okay. I, I spent one year in Italy in Max Mara, mm-hmm. and then I spent two years with Christophe Lemaire in Paris, and then I did Festival de Year in, and then Andam in back uh, like so that was that was quite quick. There was twenty two two thousand and two two thousand and three and two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. So I got Andam twice. Um, you know, it was not the same amount of money they have today but mm-hmm. kind of as there was less schools and young designers and everything it was not that it was more meaningful but it was kind of you know you had attention more easily yeah there's a lot more noise out there as far as awards today yeah. than there were back then and then mm. to win all of them consecutively that mm. must have been quite a, a powerful push for you mm. and then I was I, I know that you and your, your wife are, are very close, which makes absolute sense, but um, I didn't know that you and uh, and she actually worked together when you launched, uh, Severine, when you when you launched your own uh, yeah, signature yeah, line. Yeah. What was it like working with your wife uh, on your collections? In, in Well, we had worked before at Christophe Lemaire, so that's why oh, we met. Oh, is that met. where you met? Yeah, yeah. Okay. She was like the, the commercial and communication director. So, and then she went to do um, the FM, the management uh, course, mm-hmm. and... I wanted to, to to do the brand and she said, okay, I'll do it with you, but it has to carry your name because I didn't want it to carry my name. And I said, it has to carry your name and I should never appear. It was it was easy because we have done it before and we've always been like very... Um, very complimentary on the and, and a very a, a very dialogue. Of course, there was you know fights and compromises, but you know sometimes like the, the best idea comes from... A, uh, like a, a middle ground as well. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, two things with what your answer intrigued me. One is why didn't you want it to carry your name? Because I wanted something more generic. I didn't want it to be about like me as a creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was kind of more modern. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said that we complement each other. So what does what does she do? How does she compliment you? She's uh, very artistic and has very good, good taste she is as well like the the brain side of it and so like the whole business uh, money structure even management of the team building the whole thing the, the logistics of everything that was you know I was very lucky because I was deprived from all that you know mm-hmm. I, I I was just doing creative and then managing the team. And then I guess the, your paths again uh, with uh, Christophe Lemaire cross again because in 2010 you take over for him from Lacoste. So what made you decide, yes, this is, I want to take on this huge, iconic brand? I don't know. I uh, When I was first approached, my first question to, to Florian, because it was Florian Saint-Pierre who approached me for that, I was like, can I keep my label? And mm. they said yes. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Step step number one. On the other hand, I would be learning a lot of new new things as well, which I thought that was uh, quite exciting about. It. I, and you know, even though it's sportswear and it's kind of connecting dots, you know, a certain sense of functionality, minimalism, uh, uh, easiness. Uh, it's not that far away from. Uh, yeah, that's very much your aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then you know that crisis moment where I guess what it was in 2013 where you had to kind of bite the bullet and say I I can't have my private life and my own signature mm. collection and this behemoth that is Lacoste 
what was that like in your life when you yeah that period in your life when you decided okay I have to shutter my own signature label I work so hard on it was quite an organic choice you know we said like you know if we don't take this decision ourselves now the decision will take care of itself in a couple of years and we don't know how and we're not going to be able to control it so since you arrived at La Coast it's just grown by leaps and bounds it's become once again a, a very coveted premium luxury label and I wanted to know a little bit about about how you deal with that and that you yourself are quite an understated below the radar kind of a designer and yet you're behind one of the strongest brands out there one of the, the one that's that's growing exponentially in this period in time how do you balance being somebody who's kind of doesn't need to be a rock star and yet is running a kind of a rock star label they expect just for me my vision and work as a, as a, as a designer and as a creative director so it's kind of i have no zero pressure of like oh you have to be more out there you have to do this or that so i'm able to do exactly what i want you know and again you know i tend to do things in in an organic way as so what feels right for me mm-hmm. and what you know does this correspond to me does this feels real or but you're expressing yourself in other ways. You've got, I mean, anybody like me who follows you on Instagram, you have these amazing images that you post of you traveling and art and things that you see. How how did Instagram and social media kind of shape your creativity? Because it really does seem to be something you take a lot of pleasure in. It's great. You know, I've always I've always done, like, photography. I've, I had my, my first camera when I was 12. You know, for a long time I thought I was going to do, do photography. So it's always been, like, a really big part of my creative process and I always do books of, of photos with drawings that's, that served from uh, different projects and I think what is very interesting about Instagram is that it's almost like an open portfolio as well of your work and how you want to move on and, and show other things that you, you can do. And then this book that you were contacted for, this is the one about Lisbon, right? Yeah. The collection is edited by B. Poles and they've done 30 books so far. And each book is like one city and one photographer and it's a complete carte blanche. So when, when he approached me, I, I said yes straight away. First, because I thought it would be a challenge as well. How do you portray your city and not make it like look like a postcard mm-hmm. as well? And, and on the other hand, it would be like how to do a project on photography that it's about photography from A to Z, that it's out there. I think it's important to get out of your comfort zone as a creative, always. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I... I know that this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but every season I, I see of La Costa, I always think it's going to be you know sports or whatever, but every season you find a way to take a, a, a sports theme. Granted, La Costa is known for tennis and, of course, golf, but you've also done sailing and you've done mm-hmm. other you know running and the Olympics and other sports. And you take these basic kind of a cliche sport and you extrapolate out to such a degree in your creativity that it's almost just a it's a, a touch of it like you almost unless you were explained that that was the reference you wouldn't get it and I think that that's been a real key to your success but I just wanted to maybe you to talk a little bit about how you bring that sports element into what you do the creative process is very it's very different because for um for instance, and mine was like kind of like a soul searching every season, all the possibilities of the mind and what you are, and and here as the the frame is much more limited, so you kind of you have to work within within the a sport or but then once you go into that, then you can explode it. Then the freedom becomes when you kind of embrace. And embrace the, those limitations. There's those limitations. And very often people go like, oh, but are you not frustrated creatively? It's like, no, not at all. It's just that it's a very different exercise. But 
on, on the other hand, it's almost, I don't want to say easier, but it's more fluid. There's like less the auteur, mm-hmm. you know. The, no, the, less suffering. There's less suffering, less, the, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh yeah, it's happy, it's sports. And then you can really like go and, and almost be more intuitive sometimes about things. And um, for me, the trick is always to make it, to make it feel new and, and relevant, but at the same time, people seek, oh, I can see the connection. I can see how can that bring uh, back to Lacoste and oh, how that started from Lacoste. Things are so loud and so made for Instagram that it's difficult to, at the time to do a statement that it's strong in itself to be a fashion statement that, and people that want to walk and uh, t- to wear them because it has to be understood here as well mm-hmm. and by people, by the company and it has to be then filtered down to the more commercial collections of that goes to our 1,300 stores. Oh, no pressure. Worldwide, no pressure. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, that link with realness and with the brand has to be present and uh, and uh, democratic in a way. But then, you know, within those limits, I try to push it as further as I can. Well, talking about pushing it, one of the things I was thinking that must be fascinating for you um, as a creative is that, particularly in sportswear, the, the use of techno fabrics and techno um, fabrication is such a key and exciting thing, uh, an element right now. And Have you been exploring that? Has that been something that's exciting you about about working in this field? Yeah, I, in runway, but in sports as well. You know, our sports lines have become like really technical as well because it's the most innovative things that happen in fashion the last year they, they start in sports and how to fuse that into fashion it's very interesting and very exciting mm-hmm. and another thing that Lacoste did pretty much I think from the day you were there or maybe even before you were there is the showing of men's and women's together yeah. and how does that help you I mean what was the thinking there that you wanted to always have the men and women together because when when they said when I first arrived they were like wow the woman the woman we really need to define the woman and I said, you know, Lacoste is, above all, a very man's brand, you know, and very masculine, with a very masculine logo. So for me, it's always going to be about how the girl borrows the, the thing from the boyfriend. And so for me, this idea of showing them together seemed kind of like a statement about that, that, yeah, today it's becoming kind of more more common practice. But I, I design the two lines at the same time. Mm. Um, and then you have a new ambassador that was just announced. Yeah. No, Novak Djokovic? Yeah, Novak Djokovic. Terrible with the names. Um, so what's that like, as having him as an ambassador? Because, I mean, that's a huge get to have yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. It's not just an ambassador. We are dressing him, going to fittings in Monaco at Mr. Mr. Novak. So it, it's been interesting because he was back to couture, but for his... <laughs> <laughs> but for one guy. <laughs> but for one guy and for practicing sports. I was like, oh, the circle is... is closing finally and then you're stretching all the way to Paris I'm not going to have you to look forward to in New York you've got a couple more weeks to prepare yes so coming back to Paris next season what's uh, that going to be like for you so it's the it's the 85th anniversary is that the decision to come back to Paris when I first started I said okay you know after a few years if we get it right I think we should come back to Paris because you know we're a French brand and but then I got quite comfortable in New York and it was actually the new CEO who said no, no let's go back to Paris it's like really <laughs> But I think for the brand, it's going to be very, very, very exciting. And, and it's funny that I'm, I'm going to be 
showing maybe in the same day that I used to show with under my own brand. So again, another circle. I think it's going to be a fun thing. I look forward to it. Mm. Um, so now is the time when I ask you my famous five generic fashion questions, which I ask all of the people I interview. So I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. I'm really bad at this because I'm okay. Right. <laughs> okay, so the first one is, what is the most treasured piece of clothing that you own? I bought a few like proper like designer jackets and I always end up putting that on and then when I have a black tie. The charity jacket. Yeah, the charity £6.50. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. And like, we'll polyester. I'm going to come up to you at the next yeah, yeah, black tie event yeah, and yeah, you'll yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, £6.50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Navy with like black satin lapels. You're going to recognize it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what is the one item of clothing that every woman should invest in? A timeless piece of outerwear. Okay. Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Dead, I think, and it was the first one who I discovered was Balenciaga. Mm. What is one fashion trend that you will never follow? I don't think you'll ever see me in white jeans. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> um, and then finally, what do you love most about fashion? I think it's the capacity of kind of renewing ourselves and surprising ourselves each time and the kind of la légèreté that can come up with it. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank I you. wanted to yeah. bring a book and I forgot. I'm going to send you one. Will you send me a book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.